You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. All year long I've been saying Christmas is coming, and now it's here. It's amazing, isn't it? Thanks. Let me ask you, when you think of, of Christmas, what words usually come to mind to describe the season for you? Let me, let me rephrase that. What are the three words that we most often associate with the Christmas season? Not Gloria, okay? What are the three words? There's a couple of words up there in, 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 on a Christmas tree. What are they? What else? And love. That's right. So there's there, love, joy, and peace. Those are certainly the, the three words that we most often associate with the Christmas season, uh, uh, for example. But today I would like to draw your attention to a word that probably you never see spelled out on a Christmas ornament. But this one word captures the essence of the Christmas message. Let's turn to our text this morning. That's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And let me read from that. Nevertheless, the darkness, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road and runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You'll break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms of bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. As you might have guessed already, today's Christmas defining word based on our text and a word that I want you to remember this Christmas is light. Say that, light. Say it again. We live in a darkened world and the darkness manifests in many different ways. Pastor Ron last week talked about a bit about this darkness last Sunday in his message the trafficking of children, the murder of innocents, for example, the abuse of power, the corruption in high places, and even the willful 
intentional spreading of lies and misinformation, fake news, if you please, to gullible people. I could go on and on and on about the darkness we face on a global, national, or local level, but I won't because I know and you know, and I don't have to convince you about the darkness we face because we already know they exist and we have seen that work in our world, if not in our own lives. There are also many who struggle with darkness on a personal level. They're fighting a losing battle with sin, with addictions, with habits, and losing a battle with confusion, and losing a battle with despair. Just like one discouraged young man who said, I just don't see anything ever getting better, and even if it did, it doesn't really matter. What does it matter? Here's a young man with a talent and intelligence and educational credentials and family connections, and yet his life is filled with darkness. There's no sense of meaning and purpose or drive or ambition, and he thinks that this is all there is to life. Now, he might be an extreme example, but like many of us, we frequently encounter this sense of discouragement and, and confusion on every level. People not knowing what they want, people not knowing what to do or not knowing how to direct their lives. My life is so convoluted and so chaotic, says one businessman that even if there is a right choice for me to make in this particular situation, I have no idea what it is, and I have no way of finding out. The curse of the fall of man is that we sometimes find ourselves struggling through life with darkness all around us, globally and individually. And I want you to know that message of Isaiah, the message of Christmas is that Jesus, the Messiah, came to reverse, to upend, to change, to upturn that curse. He came to bring light into our darkened lives. Now, there may be some here this morning who look around and your experience is that you see more shadows than light. And I want you to know that it does not have to be that way forever for you. The prophet Isaiah has something to say specifically for you, specifically for your benefit. Listen, he says, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Hallelujah. And that light is Jesus. He is, as the Gospel of John tells us, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone. John 1.9. I want to talk to you today about three ways we experience this light of Christ in our lives. Now, these three points of light gives our lives meaning 
direction and focus. And they help us to move as 1 Peter chapter 1, 2 verse 9 says, move out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let me talk briefly about the light that Jesus brings into our lives. And the first light is the light that marks the destination. The light that marks the destination. There was this youth camp that I was privileged to be a guest speaker several years ago in the Midwest. And it was located at the foot of a mountain. And overlooking the campsite is a brightly lit cross at the top of the mountain. And one of the favorite things that campers and some of us staffers would do is to sneak out at night when everybody else is sleeping, right? And make the journey through the darkness up the mountain to the foot of the cross. All lights in the camp were off. And the moon and stars provided just a minimal illumination. So the only guiding light that you had was the glow of that cross on top of the mountain. And this was the light by which they, we charted our course. This light let them know how they were moving in the right direction. Now, there may be times in your life when there is not a lot of light around you, but there is a light in the distance that keeps you moving in the right direction. That light is the cross of Christ. There will be times in our life when you will say, Lord, I don't understand everything that is happening to me, man. I don't understand what's happening in my life right now, and I can't really see all that is going around me. There's darkness around me, but I know where I am going, and I know where I want to be, and as your follower, I want to keep moving in your direction. There will be times, ladies and gentlemen, when all the direction that you receive, and by the way, it's all the direction you really ever need is a light in the distance that moves you forward in your journey toward following and knowing Christ. Like the lighthouse, he will never move. He'll always be there. There will be times when the only thing you know to do is to keep moving in this direction where the light is. And in those moments, his light will be all you need. His light is enough. Another type of light that Christ brings into our lives is the light that you need at every turn. There was a time when I used to drive long distances to get to the next church that I was supposed to hold or scheduled to hold evangelistic meetings. They called it revival meetings in those days. And those revival meetings can start from Sunday to Sunday or from Tuesday to Sunday. Nightly meetings, that is. We don't have those anymore. But in the early days, that's what I did. There was this one time that I had to do an all-nighter to get to the next meeting. And this particular drive was through winding roads on a narrow two-lane highway. 
And for most of the trip, I had nothing more than my headlights to guide the way. And most of the time, I could only see only about like, 200 feet in front of me. And yet I was able to make the scary drive of hundreds of miles 200 feet at a time. In the same way, there have been many times in my own spiritual journey when I could not see much more beyond the reality of today. And I had no idea, had no clue what might happen next. I had no idea what waited around the bend, around the corner. I could see today, and I knew what I needed to do today. And it was enough. There's a song made famous in the late 60s, I guess, more like a country gospel song. It's called One Day at a Time. It goes something like this. I'm only human. I'm just a man. Help me believe in what I could be and all that I am. Show me the stairway I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way one day at a time. That's all I need, one day at a time. And there will be times when the only light you have is just enough to get you through the next turn, the next corner, the next bend. And in those moments, you will discover that all the light you have is all the light you need one day at a time. And this light, for the moment, this light, enough for the next turn, comes from our time in the Word of God. King David wrote in Psalm, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Jesus speaks to us through the Word. As we spend time in his presence each day, his word gives us the light we need for the journey today, one day at a time. And there will be times when you'll say, Lord, I do not know what your long-term plan for me, for my career, but I do know that today, today, you want me to do my work heartily with excellence as if I work for you and not for men. And there will be times when you will say, Lord, I don't know how you are going to work out all the problems in my family. How are you going to work out my problems in my marriage? But I know today you want me to forgive as I have been forgiven. Today you want me to seek peace. You want me to seek reconciliation. And that's the step I'm going to do 
today. And there will be times when you cannot see around every twist and every turn, but you will have light enough for the road in front of you. And in these moments, the light will be enough, this light that you need. That is why it is so important to spend every day with Jesus in his word. Amen? Are you there? Here's a third one. The light of a sunshiny day. Based on the United Kingdom's National Physical Laboratory <coughs> and using a special portable, what they call spectrometer, they determined that the skies of Rio de Janeiro are bluer than anywhere else in the world. In other words, this means that when you are in another city like Los Angeles, New York, Moscow, Philippines, Manila, Chicago, and all other vari variables regarding temperatures and atmosphere and time of day are equal, the difference is that the skies in Rio will be a little brighter and a little bluer and a little better than all the other cities of the world. Rio makes it so. It's not that it does not rain in Rio, but the sun shines in Rio most of the time. And according to this particular report, it always is amazing when it does. <clears throat> now here's a point I'm trying to make. Do you know where the bluest skies can be found? It is in the presence of Jesus. The life spent following Christ yields skies bluer than any other kind of life you could choose to be. It is not that it never rains in the Christian life, but after almost 60 years of following Jesus, I can say with certainty it is far more sunshine than it is rain. There are far more bluer skies than there are dark skies. Have my water, please. Oh, there it is. Thank you. I'll make you thirsty. Whose is this? Oh, okay. Thank you. That was blessings. You know, you'll never hear from me that a life of following Christ is like an extended Sunday school picnic without the ants, without the bugs, without the bees, and without the flies, right? Or without the threat of rain. Because it is not, people. Life is full of challenges. However, when you follow Jesus, you can discover that there are more sunny days than you can count. And even on the days that might be considered dark and gloomy, there are always rays of light breaking through the clouds. 
Those who follow Jesus never lack for light and never lack for sunshine. That's because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light of light that leads to life. John 8, 12. Jesus, Jesus being the light of the world means that the world has no other light than him. This world was made to be illuminated by his light. If there is going to be light for the world, it will be Jesus. It is Jesus or darkness. There is no alternative, no third alternative, no other light. It means, therefore, that, in, that all the world and everyone in it needs Jesus as their light. And when this light comes, it not only makes sin plain, ugly, you know, repugnant moral, morally, rotten and despicable, but it also makes everything good in the world shine in its full and true beauty. That is why he promised us a life that is full of abundance, a life full of joy, a life full of peace and love, because if you follow him and when you follow him, you walk in the light, his light. His presence makes the light in your life and in my life bluer and brighter than it would have been in any other context. Even in the midst of darkness and sorrow, this light will be a soft glow to comfort you in your lonely room after a devastating loss. It'll be a lamp on your troubled path It'll be a light on your darkened way, and it will reveal the wise and loving face of God behind every frowning providence. Hallelujah. When Matthew described the first days of Jesus' public ministry, he quoted from the Greek version on our text in Isaiah, saying, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. Hallelujah. Oh, man, that's, that's powerful stuff. Glory to God. A light has shined. Now, we live in a land where death has cast its shadow. Not only physical death, but the death of hope, the death of a dream, the death of aspirations, the death of ideas, and the death of relationships, the death of our plans for the future. I want you to know this morning that this shadow that some of us and many of us and some of us may, that are here today may feel and some of us may be even under right now, is not as real as may appear to be because a light 
has come into your world. And his name is, his name is, his name is, when the book of Revelation talks about eternity, the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the apostle John said, and the city has no need of sun and moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb, the Lamb is its light. Hallelujah. I would say that the same is true for those who have surrendered their lives to following Christ. You have no need for artificial light or manufactured happiness because the glory of God illuminates your life and the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is your light. And even in the most difficult days, when darkness is falling around you and you walk through the valley of the shadow, he is the light in the lighthouse that landmarks your destination and keeps you moving in the right direction. And even when the road is full of twists and turns, full of choices and decisions that you may not always be able to anticipate, he is the lamp for your feet and the light of his word, like the headlights on a car, he will guide you along the way and will make your pathway straight. That's because he is the light of the world. That's because when you are following Jesus, every day, every day is brightest than it otherwise would have been because he is the source of your light. His glory illuminates every aspect of your existence. What is Christmas in a word? Light, say that. Say it again. The prophet Isaiah promised that a Messiah would shine a light into the darkness of our lives. And that is what Jesus came to do. You can have all the light you need for the day and for the journey when you allow Jesus to be the light of your world. Today... You may be drowning in doubt about what lies ahead, and there may be so many uncertainties in your life that it is hard to focus on all this season of Christmas means. I ask you this morning to put those things aside long enough to fix your eyes on the promises of God's Word so that you can face the future with the courage and the confidence that God wants all of his people to experience. When it comes to being in the dark regarding what lies ahead, I'm not just talking about matters of global politics or killings such as what happened in Las Vegas or these horrible reminders that this is not a safe world that we are living in. It is more personal than that. Some of us don't need the threat of crime and violence to have a reason to be afraid. There is enough going around in our world that is wrong to fill our hearts with fear. There are some of us who wake up every day of what might, afraid of what might happen in their marriage or what their kids might do or what the bank 
might say or what the boss might say or what the doctor will say. I know these fears are real. You know why? Because I have lived with them too. And I also know that as long as we live on planet Earth, there will always be something to fear. Always. Always. There will always be just enough of a threat and enough darkness and uncertainty that if you let it, it will take you completely out of the game and render you ineffective in life. But it does not have to be that way. You don't have to be paralyzed with fear and sidelined with uncertainty, even though we don't know what the future holds. Because we can face the future with a sense of assurance that God in Jesus Christ is the light and he will guide and direct us and will be with us every step of the way. Beginning this Christmas and throughout 2018 and beyond, I am hoping and I'm praying that you will make it a habit day by day by day to look to the light and move in the direction of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. At this time, I would like us all to stand up and ask the ushers to start distributing our candles. But please don't lit them up yet until we instruct you to do so. As we celebrate Christmas, tonight or and tomorrow, most of us are going to be attending maybe family parties or attend friends' parties, I encourage you and your family to focus on love during Christmas season because God sent Jesus in love for all people. Pray and look for opportunities for the family to extend themselves to people you come across with. Allow every handshake Allow every touch on the arm or hug to be a chance to point others towards God. The simple, ordinary gestures at any time of the year can transform lives and initiate faith. Our prayers can focus not only on God's or not only on Christ's past birth, but also on present world events and personal concerns. When you remember those lowly shepherds, for example, in Christ's impoverished birth, think of the forgotten poor of our world. Commit the coming year to God. Ask Him to watch over your family and protect them from harm. Thank God for sending His Son, Jesus, to earth to provide an eternal home in heaven for those who accept Him as His gifts. 
the Christ child, Joseph, Mary, remind our broken society of the importance of family. So at this particular time, we will be focusing on praying for our families. I'm going to be asking you in a little bit to gather with your families. For those of you who may have come here alone or you just, you're just you visiting and you don't have anybody, I would ask you to join a family as we pray for this list. This is like a, 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 a way for you to, to structure your prayer this morning. The unified family can grow spiritually together before God. Christmas is a perfect time for family members to bond. The season introduces us to the rich traditions of people throughout the world, reminding us of the unity of all Christians as children of God. So, in the past few Sundays, we have heard the Nativity story, and we've heard again and again of the, the different characters in the Nativity story. To start out, heard again about Jesus as an infant, Emmanuel, God with us, reminding us also of the vulnerability of children. Pray for our children. Secondly, we're reminded of Mary representing mothers, okay? Those who are far from home, the call to trust and obedience. Thirdly, we can pray for Joseph who represents the fathers, for family unity, from the very beginning of time, the enemy has attacked the family as a unit. Number four, we can pray for the shepherds, those who are working during Christmas time, those needing to hear the good news. We need to pray for them. And fifth, we pray for the kings, those who are in power and in, in, in status in our society today. Let us pray for them. And lastly, let's pray for the gifts. Pray for ourselves on how we might give to Jesus this Christmas. So at this time, I would like you to gather together with your family. And as I said, if you don't have any family with you, just come along with other families. And please use this structure as your prayers. And as you do that, after we pray, the, the choir is going to come up and we're going to start lighting our candles together. Okay, I'll give you that instruction. So let's gather now with our family and pray.
from Pastor Ron because this morning before we came to church I got a message I, I had a conversation with Edith and, and Edison Braceros about a couple of days ago there was a typhoon that came down, came to Davao and uh, they had to let open the dam in the Davao River so it overflowed and so what happened was their home was flooded about six feet maybe. And even the room that Sonia and I stayed in was flooded and the bed was, was soak, soaking wet. Anyway, she was telling me that they, all of their belongings were just totally in shambles. The computers, the the television and all that. The refrigerator was floating. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing when they went in there, mud and muck about two or three feet deep. But, but she said the only thing that stood in all of that was their Christmas tree in the corner. And she said, you know, all of these things, and it touched me deeply because it's all of these things, the material things, Without what, what that was saying to me was, he said, was the message was clear that all of these things will crumble and they'll fail and they'll fall and only Christ stands. That's it. And he, he both of them praised the Lord for sparing their lives. But that's what happened. And that's the thing that I thought today I needed to share with you. Christ is the true and firm foundation. Hallelujah. And he will never crumble nor fail.
Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.